Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers with Faster Skier. Holy cow, what a day it was in Drammen, Norway for the annual city sprint there. Some epic races by China, by Norway, and a whole heck of a lot to talk about with a war going on that's affecting the cross-country skiing world and obviously a lot more than that. We'll be back to you in a minute with our breakdown of today's races. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by New Moon Ski and Bike, located in beautiful Hayward, Wisconsin's picturesque Northwoods region, which borders Michigan's Upper Peninsula and is home to the country's largest cross-country ski race, the American Berkebiner. The Berkey has over 100 kilometers of cross-country ski trails that stretch from Cable, Wisconsin to Hayward. Some have named the trail as the number one cross-country ski destination in the entire U.S. The trails are groomed and maintained for both skate and classic skiing, or ditch the skis altogether and go fat biking instead. Hayward boasts more than 50 miles of groomed fat bike trails to choose from. New Moon has ski and fat bike rentals available with experts ready for waxing and repair services. New Moon is the area's premier shop for skis, snowshoes, and fat bikes, clothing, accessories, expert fitting, and outstanding customer service. When in Hayward, look for them on Highway 63 in the Big Log Chalet or check them out online at newmoonski.com. We also want to take a minute to encourage listeners to consider a voluntary subscription to Faster Skier. This work doesn't do itself. It takes time, money, and effort to produce all the work that you see on the Faster Skier website. So check out fasterskier.com support if you're considering this. It's worth it, and it helps if you want to continue being able to read about your favorite athletes on fasterskier.com and hopefully to listen to your favorite podcast this one. The few listeners we have at home can't see this, but Matt is sporting a Chinese toque, as he should. What a day. What a day for Jing Wang, and what a what a day for Juve, and what a just beautiful day all around. I mean, it was the antithesis of what's happening with world events, because it was <laughs> the sun was shining, people were smiling, having a great time. No nuclear bombs. No nuclear bombs. Um, the only nuclear bomb was... France's shut your mouth when um, the Norwegian sprint team goes down with COVID and the Russians are, are back at home. So it was, uh, you know, it's hard not to love Drummond. I mean, it's an awesome event. And today it was Drummond at its absolute best, except for we were missing a lot on the men's side. On the women's side, it was a great competition. But, uh, and on the men's side, it was great to watch. But I mean, we do have to say we're missing, whew, I mean, you're missing 10 of the world's best sprinters. Uh, and that, that, but you know what, you got to make hay when the sun shines. It's not, it's not those guys fault that raced today that, um, the best in the world couldn't make it to the start. So, you know, in, in COVID times, it's part of the game to not get COVID and, you know, like, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, I mean, like, uh, Bolshunov did not, uh, Bolshunov did not do anything to blow himself out of contention, but, you know, uh, Clybo, you know, if he's uh, he's hanging out with his girlfriend, going to going to city sprints. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. It sucks they're not there, but at the same time, you know, shit's gonna happen in COVID times, and they made it all the way through the Olympics. So, I just want to know how much discussion or consideration was there in the Kershaw Stormersira household to actually, you know, taking the train down to Drammen and, and actually taking this in, or was that just totally off the table given that you guys are real lives, have jobs and kids? Yeah. You know, what's funny about that is, you know, like for people without kids, they don't really understand, but like a two-year-old and a five-year-old 
and then taking a train for three hours and then have to take a train three hours home on a like it's it's just a big lift and we're wusses like we are such wusses it, it's going to be beautiful this weekend in home and colon as well and you know like we have a lot of friends in oslo we have a family that live just outside of oslo in a place called nittedal i mean it would be a very less of a heavy lift to go and cheer on this gears but the thought of chasing around my two-year-old in like a crowd of fifty thousand people uh it, it's just it's just not going to happen right now. So we're going to have to wait a couple more years, but when both the kids are in school, that's what we're telling. That's what, that's what the discussion is in the Kershaw Stormer Styra household is when the kids are in school. So that means like six and nine, then all of a sudden, like you can drive into the city without just like full scale meltdowns. You can have a good time in the city. You take in the races. They understand what's happening a little more. There's no midday naps that we have to kind of schedule around. But for right now, we, we just took it in on, on TV. And if I'm being totally honest, I took it in on TV after the fact. I, I, I had school all day and I was in, so I was at the hospital and uh, doing this blood glucose lab. So uh, I took it in afterwards, but it was a great, it was a, it was a great event. And it really made me want to be there. I mean, I've raced Drummond a lot and Drummond was kind of like my Moby Dick. Like it was my white whale. I, I have, I've had some great classic sprints in my day, podiums on the World Cups and that sort of thing. But in Drummond, like, man, I, I could be like kick ass in the overall World Cup, like top 10 in the overall World Cup and top 10 a bunch in sprints. And I get to Drummond and I'm like 36, like I'm outside. I just never could qualify. I mean, I, I qualified a couple of times, but it was very rare. So it's a, uh, it's a special course. And, and today I just thought everything about it lined up perfectly. The tracks were holding up well. It was red clister. I mean, it's warm here. It's about plus eight. So it's not bomber, but um, they salted the course and they held up pretty well and breaking down some, of course, on the uphills where the sun's just baking it and stuff. But uh, it, was, it was a great event to watch on TV. And, and I'm just so happy that Drummond continues this legacy of like putting the work in, like the volunteers to make a race like that happen and the money and the organization to drag all that snow into a, a medium sized city. Like in Norway. Shut down the town for a day. Totally, totally. And people work in the downtown. It's Europe, right? Like, like there's like a lot of offices around there. And like I said, Drummond's a medium sized city. So it's uh, to, for them to do it in the way they do it. And they, they just have it so cased now. They just have it so dialed. And when the sun's shining and the church at the finish line and, and this like that square at the bottom and tons of fans and oh, man, it, it brought back uh, the good memories of seeing my teammate you know, Len Valius take a podium there or, or Andy Newell, some of uh, Andy Newell has a podium at also in Drummond. So it's uh, oh, what a, what a venue. My, my, my only sort of addition, I fully endorse all that. And it's like, you know, I, the one year I made it to Norway to cover ski racing, including a, a world championship gold medal by Alex Harvey and Devin Kershaw um, in Oslo. Uh, you know, it's like we went and it was like, City sprint and drama. This is going to be great. And they were like, actually, this year it's in Conorud, which is just like a bunch of anonymous, like suburban trails. But um, what I will say about today was like, I was watching that TV broadcast and I like, you know, someday, you know, maybe when I come for world championships in Trondheim in 2025 or whenever it is, um, I'll go to Drummond and I'm going to like Airbnb one of those, like, it looks like they're like these apartments where you could be on the third floor and watching like the city sprint out your oh. like balcony. Like that just looks awesome. You know, with cappuccinos or Aquavit or mix them together, whatever you got to do to enjoy yourself. So, Oh, for sure. And, and you see, you saw the fans out there on those balconies having house parties. Now I think, I think that's what's just so fun. I mean, 
the race that's coming up on the weekend that we'll cover like home and colon i mean any cross-country skier in the world home and colon is the kitzbühel downhill of cross-country skiing home and colon is the perry roubaix it's the super well yeah for sure i mean the super bowl might be the olympics you know what i mean but like the, these classics like these this this is just such a huge event to win and it's going to be sunny and beautiful this weekend up at home and colon it's been covid for two years Norway has a COVID surge, <laughs> the likes it hasn't seen, but no one seems to be ending up, not nobody, that, that's, that's crass. But, um, you know, by and large, the population isn't ending up in the hospital and, and we're not destroying our healthcare system by, by opening up like, like they've done. And uh, it's going to be a real party. It's going to be like a real home and colon party, like the days of old. And uh, I think when the sun is shining and, and uh, the events that will be held there, it's going to be quite, quite the weekend quite the weekend of fun there. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, when, when Oslo is sunny, man, and there's snow, it's, it's one of the most, I mean, it's, it's, it's Mecca for cross country skiing. It really is. What can we're, you say? We're firing up the faster skier private jet and, uh, see you guys in, uh, 48 hours. Um, perfect. Perfect. So, no. yeah. So, uh, we, I guess there was some racing that happened too. Yeah, no, for sure. We're just basking in the glow of the beauty. And before we get into the racing, I did want to address like, because I've, you mentioned earlier at the top of this thing, like the situation that we're in, it, it's a tough situation, obviously, like Europe is in a very perilous situation and things are happening very quickly and it's dangerous. And a lot of people are worried, like, don't let those pictures fool you. Like here in Norway, they're worried that a lot of people in Europe are worried right now. It's, it's a volatile and unpredictable situation. Um, what was very unpredictable this, this week, of course, and we'll just touch on it briefly is, is, you know, the Russians, were allowed. The Norwegian Ski Federation asked them not to come uh, based on the situation. The Russians came anyways, which I do not fault them whatsoever at that moment. Distance Cup, Nepreva is leading the overall World Cup. Like this is a this is a big deal. It's a big deal for them. And of, of course they they want to finish the season. They're athletes just like just like anyone else out there. They came uh FIS changed their mind, reverse course, and banned the Russians and Belarusians from any fist competition for the rest of the season. And so they had to leave. And I just think it's a sad situation, honestly. Like, I mean, is it right to throw Russian athletes out or not? Like, I'm not really going to wade into that. I think, I think the world has spoken there. Um, and, you know, there is going to be collateral damage, just like normal Russians in Russia right now are dealing with uh, inflation that's out of control and a very uncertain future. Um, you know, the Russian athletes are collateral damage for, for a decision that the regime has made. And, and I, I just wanted to say, I, it, it's a sad situation and um, this is going to be controversial. I'll probably get a bunch of hate mail, but, but uh, you know, Nepreva especially, she's a good classic sprinter. She's a great classic skier. She's having the best season of her career. She, she looks like she should secure the overall World Cup anyways. She has a quite a big lead. And when Jesse Diggins did make the final today, um, you know, the time's running out. Time's running out to, to try and make up the amount of points that are still on the table. It's theoretically possible, but with, with the likes of Terezio Hug in the races and, and a lot of the other big guns that are still around, it, it looks unlikely that Diggins will be able to make up the deficit. And quite frankly, I, I think that's okay. I, I hope that Nepreva comes away with this season with the overall World Cup globe. She was the best distance skier in the world. And I couldn't imagine how tough that would be for her, honestly. I, I don't care what flag she represents. I'm just saying Nepreva as a person, 
she's best skier in the world this year and she deserves to to win the overall world cup globe and i think it's just a sad way to, to end such a beautiful season so i do, i wanted to say that bolshenov of course too with the distance cup but anyway and just i mean think about how weird and awkward that's going to be if we get to the last race of the season and neprieva has won the overall world cup and like you know they're having the ceremony and it's like jesse diggins is on the second step of the podium and then like what do they do? Do they put a bomb on the top step of the boat? It's just like, you know, I mean, and I totally agree with you. I mean, it's like nothing against Neprieva or Bolshunov. It's like, you know, what are they supposed to do? I mean, all of the blame, I think, has to come back to like Putin, Russian government. Like this is this dude's fault, like the athletes, you know, and and they, they've put in no more or less work than Jesse Diggins, than Clybo. And it's like, you know, I don't think you can make an argument that these athletes don't deserve it as but i also think you know you can't really reasonably make an argument that these athletes should be in these races like representing russia either so what do you do it it is just like a totally sad situation so and i will just say i mean the one really quickly like it is deeply weird you know i like i wake up in the morning i watch the race before i sign on to social media but then i you know i'm kind of scrolling through instagram and it's like on the one hand, it's like these glorious scenes of like drama and sun, people having a, an absolute blast. And then literally like the next thing on your timeline is like New York Times analysis of like bombs landing in civilian areas in Kiev. And it's just like this. It's hard to even think we should even be talking about skiing right now. But, you know, it's kind of like people I think are really appreciating kind of the distractions. So. That's no, for sure. And I, no, but I think, and I think, but it's good you brought that up because that is true. Like I'm struggling with that. I think everyone is in, in Europe and, and also in North America, like we're, we're such a connected, we're such a connected community outside of sport and, you know, like same thing, like it, the sun is shining and I'm just like stuck in a biochemistry lab all day long. And, 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 you know, like just doing my thing, like just studying, like I always do trying to give a shit about medical genetics. It's hard. I'm not getting there, but um, I'm trying. And then, like you said, watch, watch these great races and, and, and everything. And, and yet not so far away, uh, a whole country is, is being shattered and, uh, and also it's escalating. I mean, the conflict is escalating by the hour with, with decisions that the West is making to, to sanction, an out of control president and, and uh, it's just so it's, it's a perilous time but i agree it, it coming back to the races i did want to just say um hate mail or not i hope nepreva comes away with this with with the overall world cup globe because when you put a season together like she did winning the tour to ski meddling individually at the olympic games um yeah it, it, it would just suck to not it would suck to lose the overall world cup globe because you weren't allowed to compete you know that's all that's all that's that's all i'll say but so let's just get yeah. into the races now yeah yeah <laughs> It was, it was a, it was a barn burner. It really was. And, and, you know, the Chinese toque, you started this podcast wearing the Chinese toque or hat for, for the American listeners. I'm just going to go right to the final and then we can work backwards from it because it was such a huge day for international skiing for a number of reasons. One, Juve has 12 World Cup podiums. Now he has 13 and wins his first World Cup. And the way he did it was just fantastic. So hats off to him. He was so solid all day. And, and the way that he, finished it off. He led down the hill, which is so sketchy, usually in Drummond, but he had great ski. Solomons were running super hot today. He had a little gap and that's all he needed. And his last 300 meters in all his heats, he was just looking rock solid. He won the prologue and, and skied away with it. Ching Wang, World Cup podium for China. Wang Chong. Wang Chong. Wang Chong. Yeah. Okay, thank you. It's good to correct me on that because it is historic. <laughs> historic historic race and 
we talked about this during the Olympics. We talked about it in Lati. It breaks my heart. This guy has not been on the world cup for two years because with the form he's showing with his, he's solid, he's fit. You know, he's not, he's not as pretty a classic skier as he is in, in skating, but he's incredibly fit and he has a lot of power. And the fact that he got DQ'd at the Olympics because he wasn't used to skiing in traffic, you see already, he has three races now that he skied in traffic. Disaster at the Olympics, skiing in traffic tactically. Lottie, better, but still making some mistakes in the final. Amazing historic stuff. Today, in his quarterfinal, blasted. In his semifinal, blasted it. And in the final, I'm like, don't do it, dude. Don't blast yourself. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he almost didn't make the final, right? He was fourth in his yep. quarterfinal, yep. in his semifinal, sorry, to be lucky loser. So he's lucky. Yep. And I'm like, don't do it, don't do it. He skied a smart race, ends up with a silver medal. It's awesome for skiing, but it's also awesome for him. I'm, I'm so impressed at the level of technical prowess he's shown and, and just the way he was able to deliver. It's awesome. I mean, what a talent that guy is clearly, right? I mean, I think they said on the broadcast, like 16 World Cup starts in his career, like, you know, compared to like, Ristamati Hakla, who has like 95 and it's like, you know, the, the curve that this guy is on is like, you know, Clybo should be freaking out for the sprint cup for next year, but you know, like, I mean, maybe not, but <laughs> yeah, maybe not, everything. but, but like, but you know, if, if it continues like this, I mean, and you know, he's like qualified, like what, like fifth and third and third in like the last three sprints he's been in. And, you know, I mean, in fairness, like we're missing like 35 Norwegian sprinters today. But, but, <laughs> yeah. And the Russian. Still. But hey, you can't beat you can't beat guys that don't show up. And totally. Juve has 12 podiums. He and Shana, is, and Shanava is like on yeah. fire too. And yeah. Shanava is on exactly. He beat Shanava with skiing a smart final and having a lot of jam in that last 300 meters of the finish in Jamin. Huge yeah. race for him. Huge race for Shanava too uh to be on the podium. That that's that's great stuff. Really, really great stuff. And I think. That was the story of the day. And I mean, missing the Norwegian men's sprint team, that's six of the best sprinters in the world that are gone and you're missing four Russian sprinters. There's six that would start, but but uh, four that are really big names like Lebrativik and Bolshunov and Terentiev and stuff. And, and, and we saw the lack of depth there, but at the same time, awesome stuff in the final. And then just quickly run through the North Americans before we go to the to the women, because we're just going to keep this short today. Uh, we Canada qualified three guys to the heats, which was great. He's got to make hay when the sun shines. You know what I mean? Like when no one shows up on the men's field, man, if you're not scoring points, it's a missed opportunity. So it was great to see Antoine Sear, Graham Ritchie, and uh, Pierre Grawl Johnson get into the heats. They had it in tough. Pierre, Pierre fell. Was, uh, he had a horrible quarterfinal. Um, so he was last in his quarterfinal, but still gets some points. 27th. He's young. He's an under 23 athlete. So he's gaining some experience. Graham Ritchie makes the heats again for the second World Cup in a row. Lottie and here. Uh, so that's great stuff for, for Rich and Big Rich qualified in 13th too. So he's he's showing some stronger form, which is great. He had a really tough season this year. It's a huge talent and things just didn't work out for him this season, the way his progression looked prior to it. And Antoine Sear, you know, he's a great classic skier and has been a little bit uneven in sprints and ended up fourth in his quarterfinal and, and uh, skied to a solid 19th place. So so good stuff with him. And, and for the for the American men, like we talked about last week, same rules apply. We're missing a lot of those big young guns, those sprinters that have just been having great seasons, especially a guy like uh, Ben Ogden. Uh, you know, he's at home. He traveled to New Jersey. Bruce Springsteen is making a tribute song for him as we speak. 
So, which is great to hear, actually. <laughs> so that if there's if you're gonna miss Drummond because the boss is making like a working class power ballad in your name, then that's fair. Bolger just outside that, that top, but you know, Bolger looks like he's kind of ran out of steam here. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, after the Olympics, but but he's had a he's had a pretty awesome season. So uh, the fact that he's running out of gas a little bit as a North American at the end of the season, you can't fault you can't fault people for for you know just running out of energy a little bit. But it's it's too bad to be. It's, it's 34 is a tough place to finish, and especially in a day like today when you have a great chance to take some points. I think he's been like a grand total of one second out of the heats between like combined between the last two sprint races. And, you know, I mean, it's like, you're, you're going to be a sprint racer and like, you're going to have days like that. I mean, I noticed, you know, Pellegrino was in the final after qualifying 28th today. And, you know, like sometimes you're on the right side of that and sometimes you're not. So. For sure. For sure. And I mean, like there's some, there's been some just amazing performances by qualifying 30th in drama, especially Oddbjorn Yelmaset has done that multiple times, but like, um, Jens uh, 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 Jens whose son was competing today. I yes. Don't that. Yes. Of course I did. I, of course I did. And had a great qualifier, you know, had a great qualifier. That's what's kind of fun with drama too. Some of the young guns that I follow closely on the Norwegian cup and Scandinavian cup and to see them get a chance and, and able to mix it up. That just shows the depth of, of Norwegian men's skiing, especially it's, it's a crazy high level. Yeah. Sorry. I interrupted, but yeah, no, I mean, no there's nothing else probably we could go to women's. I mean, yeah. I got it. I got to tell you, I, and I don't know if like, um, you know, this is going to permanently embarrass me, but, um, I, I full on shed a tear. That was like the, the final, like it just seeing, uh, Mike and Casperson fo follow what, uh, you know, I don't know where she's at, but like, kind of feels like the end getting toward the end of like a long career. And, you know, she's just like, she's someone who's like, you know, she's never made headlines for being an idiot. She just seems like a good natured person and just like, what a race. Uh, I just, I, I loved it. Oh, hundred percent. The, the, the word that was just being repeated all over the TV broadcast here in Norway is, is goosebumps because her last 300 meters was a thing that is textbook, man. Like not only was she boogieing, like not only was she moving so well and dusting the other women her technique was sitting perfectly for her she had her weight over her she had her timing dialed in and she looked like the mic in of old she struggled the reason why you're you felt like shedding a, a proverbial tear there is because mike and we all know olympic champion world champion 22 world cup victories prior to this victory she's won in drummond five times before this event she, this is her sixth win in drummond so she truly is the queen of drummond but the fact of the matter is the last two years, she, is, she has been a shadow of her former self. Last two and a half years, she struggled a ton with her health. She's kind of had the same thing lately that, that kind of turf nuked my career at the end with lung problems. Like her lungs have just like, you know, she, she had some lung infections a few years ago that, that uh, she thought she got over and who knows why, but she, she just seems like she's susceptible to, to getting these lung infections and, and you're losing a lot of training when, when this happens. And then you lose a lot of confidence when you're losing that training. And then the Swedish sprint team, we just saw them in Lottie sweeping the podium on the women's and, and Sundling's on fire. Dolphist has been, I mean, like she's when, you know, she's having a great season when she's fourth and she's choked about it. So, so uh, it, the competition's fierce, but uh, Mike and Kasperson follow up. What a beautiful race. And there was a lot of discussion at the end. Like, are you going to race next year? Planitza is a classic sprint. If you ski like this, I mean, there's no reason why you can't challenge the Swedish armada. Um, what do you think? And she's being very non-committal, you know, like she's like, yeah, 
it was great. I'm going to really celebrate this. And this meant a lot to me. And I'm going to really enjoy this moment. But I'm not going to make this cloud my judgment. I, I'm not sure about next year. I've really struggled the last two and a half years. She just kept echoing that. And I know Mike in as well. And she she, she used to live in Lillehammer. She actually just moved from Lillehammer. Well, she just moved into her new house like this last week, but uh, out of Lillehammer, but over in Elvedum area. So the fact of the matter is it's uh, it's been a great career. She's struggled huge and it was a beautiful performance. And to do it at home in the sun, in Drummond, when you've won five times, like it was it was just a story. If, if this is it, if this is her career, it's a great storybook ending to a great champion. And if it isn't, this will give her great confidence because Planitza is a classic sprint. You got a diagonal stride up to that long finishing straight in Planitza. So it's an uphill and then a long finishing drag. So this could give her some, some confidence and motivation. And, and not to mention that like this entire week, like in the past entire month, like the Norwegian women's team has been an absolute dumpster fire with like, you know, you this week, it was, you know, it's like this week it was Ragnald Haga's turn to publicly criticize the team's leadership. And I think, I think fall has like had some pretty, critical words so like cool to see her like deliver one I mean my I just like watching that watching the last couple hundred meters like seeing um you know you had her with Sundling and you know it's like Sundling has seemed unbeatable and and then and then all of a sudden you see like as they're coming into this last round and, and so I'm just like wow it's cool that Mikan's gonna be on the podium but then all of a sudden you like see uh, Sundling like break into a stride, like on the flat and you're like, what is going on? And, and Fala has this like really awesome double pull going. And she just, I mean, I totally agree with you that like, it looked like just sort of technically the way she skied that was, um, was, was really awesome. I like, I feel like there was actually like kind of a, a lot of other sort of interesting stuff to talk about. I mean, I kind of wonder if like, you know, Sundling kind of like Scott Patterson in a way, like, almost benefits from having that six week uh, break to her season where she broke a, a wrist, I think, and was not racing early on. Whereas like you're seeing Dahlquist, like, uh, you know, kind of tailing off, it feels like toward, toward the end of the season. Um, and then also just, you know, I, th I think it's, I was hard to know off social media. I only watched the semis and the finals today. Cause you know, I have a job and uh, it looked like Hagstrom smashed the prologue won the prologue and then i think she crashed and then like social media suggested she like was like decided to go do like running intervals like up above town because she had some shot of like the course from way high up. so you know just like a lot going on uh in that women's race today but super fun to watch yeah super fun to watch and, and just a quick correction so sindling didn't didn't actually break her wrist but she injured her arm and they were worried that she would she in galavari she fell in galavari like we talked about that i think but it's getting so long ago it's all a blur you're jet lagged um if we're not talking about tyrosine kinase, like, I don't know what it is. And so, so like, but yeah, Sindling had an arm injury and you're absolutely right. She missed a, plenty of races in period one and she's, she's strong. And, and I think it's, it, I think it's a testament to how strong Maya Dahlquist has been this sprint season, Olympic silver medalist, four victories in a row earlier this season. And we're talking, we're sitting here going like, yeah, she's running out of gas a little bit. She's fourth. And yes, she was distance Lampich, Sindling and Fowler skied away with this one, but uh, she's still fourth. She's still padding her lead. I mean, the, the the Spring Cup has been over for so long, but but it, it's not like it was a disaster of a race for, for Dahlquist either. Julia yeah. Kern, I wanted to spend a bit of time on Julia Kern, seventh. And, and you know what? Julia Kern, 25 years old, uh, or maybe she's 24, turning 25, I don't know. She's born in 97 anyway. I'm really excited for what I've been seeing here, uh, really, because last year she really struggled. Two years ago, she had a breakthrough season. Last year she struggled. This year she's shown glimmers of of brilliance actually and and today 
Julia Kern has something going on with is a little bit like Diggins at times, but it, it, in the sense that like her technique, Julia Kern's technique is, is, is shifty. Like some days she looks like a million bucks and some days she looks horrendous. And, and today she, she, things were by and large sitting well. And, and yet there's still a couple big things like her timing with her, her double pull. You can see she's a little late sometimes. When she gets a little tired, you, you see in her diagonal stride too that she she can be sitting a little bit. She's not she's not high that high position that Sammy and I were talking about um, last week or, or, or what you see Sun Ling do so well. Um, so I just think seventh with a race that she executed really well with technique that was like eight out of ten. There's a lot more to go for Julia Kern, and she's exciting in the future. And I love that the U.S. now has the succession that's happening. Right now, you have this like that's. That's what Norway's had benefited from. That's what Sweden benefits from. You have the succession. You have Keegan Randall leading the, leading the women, Sadie, of course, and Holly and everyone. But like, if we're talking sprinting, you know, Keegan, like leading, inspiring, Jesse taking the reins, taking the baton, best American skier that ever lived. And then Julia is five years younger than Jesse and gets to learn and soak up all that knowledge. And like Jesse's roommate on the world cup. Exactly. Exactly. So this is, this is, this is really, really exciting. And I think that um, American ski fans, Julia Kern's one to watch. And and when she can get her technique stable, she's good in both classic and skate now. And that is also something she wasn't as much a couple of years ago and seventh in Drummond, great performance by her taking some big names. Diggins, We'll just get right into it. I mean, like she, she, she ran out of gas in, in her semifinal a little bit, but I should hope she's, she's just been doing everything. And the fact that she's top 10 in Drummond is, is, is good. Like top 10 in Drummond is good for Jesse Diggins. So um, what can you say? You're allowed to run out of gas. <laughs> it's, it's fine. You know, I, I think Jesse's put together a beautiful season as well. I was just, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think uh, the other thing about watching Julia Kern is like, she's, it feels like she's skiing and, and racing and sprinting in particular, just with like a lot of confidence. Like you see her just kind of like leading out that semifinal heat, you know, like with, with Jesse Diggins, like hanging on for, for dear life to her teammate there. And it's just, you know, it's cool. Like, it seems like she doesn't have any fear. She has confidence in her fitness. And like, you know, it's like, like you said, she's like 24, 25, 26, whatever it is. Like, you know, she's got a lot of time to to develop and um yeah so um yeah and i just one more thing one more thing with it with 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 kern that i think is impressive i can't stress enough how impressive it is that you bounce back after a challenging season when you're a young athlete that's had success we're talking like world cup podium you know like you've had real success young and then you have a stinker of a season that is very difficult to turn around, especially when you have such high pressure races like the Olympics and, and the very next year after, after struggling and the confidence, like you said, that she's skiing with, she's skiing beyond her years with that confidence. And I am so wildly impressed with her and, and the people that support her behind her to help her turn, turn around a tough seat, having a bad season the year before the Olympics is not what you want. It's just not. And the fact that she's turned it around wildly, wildly impressed. And I'm telling you, like, as the years go by, she gets a little more stable with her technique and she's going to be super dangerous. And she's also dangerous in some distance races. It's, it's, she's a fun athlete to watch. And, and I think the whole American program right now, men and women is, is just exciting to follow along. What can you say? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like I, I will just reiterate, I mean, it like, you know, the, it feels like the Canadians are like, 
kind of hitting their stride a little bit too. And, and, you know, it feels like good things to come from them in, in coming years potentially too. So, um, I mean, do you feel like with that, we can, you know, tell people that we hope that they have their, you know, Ludfisk and, and, uh, Aquavit ready for Saturday and, and Sunday to watch some epic, uh, epic races in the Holman Cole, anything else? Oh, you got for sure. Here? No, for sure. I, I, I get ready for Holman Cole and it's going to be a great one to watch. I just wanted to say like Olivia, Poufard and Asbitt, she came for Canada. She came 40th um, with, with a with a better with a better performance than her best race in the international scene here so far, which was great. Daria 41st from Canada, and you're right. And Xavier McKeever, he's 18 years old. He's still junior next year. A couple of top sixes at World Juniors gets his World Cup debut in Drammen, like where where skiing was born, not in Drammen, but in Norway. Hope we can appreciate that. Oh yeah, he can, he can, he's got a great head on his shoulders. He's, he's the nicest kid and just, just such a, you know, I, I haven't seen a young athlete with, with that level of calm confidence since like Alex, when he was younger, I mean that like he, he's a total pro and he's 18 and Alex was also a pro at a very young age and, and just such a student of the sport. And he was 45th today, but what a, what an opener, what an opener to come from world juniors and mix it up with the big boys. And, uh, I know he's probably just loving, loving the experience. So a uh, shout out to the, to those Canadian young guns. Like you said, it's exciting. It's going to be exciting to follow those guys along. There's a lot of good young talent in Canada on the men's side. And, and these women that have been having a super solid <laughs> season this year, they, they are not old. Like we're talking like 25, 26, 27. These women could be great mentors and also great athletes. They're absolutely not hitting their peak when they're coming top 20 in these races, mid twenties. Like there's no reason why they can't be in the top 10 by the time they're 30. So it's some exciting stuff in Canada as well. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back. 